0: Welcome to the History of North America. I'm Mark Vinette. The expression going native emerged as a result of the meeting of European and indigenous cultures and drew its strength from the perceived differences between those cultures. The term refers to the desire of non-Aboriginals to identify with, behave, or live like the local people and immerse themselves in native culture. Of the many written accounts of early 16th century European contact and interaction with North American Amerindians, only a few describe the inner workings of their societies. The following first-person narrative is an exciting tale of survival against the odds by going native, and the following LibriVox reading is based on an English translation excerpt of that original Spanish text.
1: Our boat had sunk, and three of our number then been drowned. The Indians came to seek us and bring us food. We gave them beads and hawk bells, and each one of them gave me an arrow, which is a pledge of friendship. They told us by signs that they would return in the morning and bring us something to eat. The next day at sunrise, the time the Indians had appointed, they came as they had promised and brought us a large quantity of fish and certain roots that are eaten by them of the size of walnuts, some a little larger, others a little smaller the greater part of them got from under the water and with much labor in the evening they returned and brought us more fish and some of the roots they sent their women and children to look at us who returned rich with the hawk bells and beads that we gave them and they came afterward on other days in the same way as we found that we had been provisioned with fish roots water and other things for which we asked we determined to embark again and pursue our course as it was then in the month of november the cold severe and our bodies so emaciated that the bones might have been counted with little difficulty we had become perfect figures of death for myself i can say that from the month of may past i had not eaten other thing than maize and sometimes i found myself obliged to eat it unparched after all these misfortunes there came a north wind upon us from which we were nearer to death than life Thanks be to our lord that looking among the brands that we had used there we found sparks from which we made great fires, and thus we were asking mercy of him and pardon for our transgressions, shedding many tears and each regretting not his own fate alone, but that of his comrades about him. At sunset the Indians, thinking that we had not gone, came to seek us and bring us food, but when they saw us thus in a plight so different from what it was formerly, and so extraordinary, they were alarmed and turned back i went toward them and called to them and they returned much frightened i gave them to understand by signs how our boat had sunk and three of our number then drowned there before them they saw two of the departed and those that remained were near joining them the indians at sight of the disaster that had befallen us and our state of suffering and melancholy destitution sat down amongst us and from the sorrow and pity they felt for us they all began to lament and so earnestly that they might have been heard at a distance and they continued so doing more than half an hour. It was strange to see these men, so wild and untaught, howling like brutes over our misfortunes. It caused in me, as in others, an increase of feeling and a livelier sense of our calamity. There, cries having ceased, I talked with the Christians and said that if it appeared well to them, I would beg these Indians to take us to their homes. Some who had been in New Spain said that we ought not to think of it, for if we should do so, they would sacrifice us to their idols. But seeing no better course than that any other led to nearer and more certain death, I disregarded what was said and besought the Indians to take us to their dwellings. They signified that it would give them great delight, and that we should tarry a little, that we might do what we asked. Presently thirty of them loaded themselves with wood and started for their houses, which were far off, and we remained with the others until near night, when, holding us up, they carried us with all haste. Because of the extreme coldness of the weather, lest any one should die or fail by the way, they caused four or five large fires to be placed at intervals, and at each one of them they warmed us, and when we saw that we had regained some strength and warmth, they took us to the next so swiftly that they hardly permitted us to put our feet to the ground. In this manner we went as far as their habitations, where we found that they had made a house for us with many fires in it. An hour after our arrival, they began to dance and hold great rejoicing, which lasted all night, although for us there was no joy, appetite, or sleep awaiting the time they should make us victims. In the morning, they again gave us fish and roots and showed us such hospitality that we were reassured and lost somewhat the fear of the sacrifice. The eighty men taken by the Indians were soon reduced by death to fifteen. These were made slaves and were severely treated. I was obliged to remain with the people of the island more than a year, and because of the hard work they put upon me, and their harsh treatment, I determined to flee from them, and go to those who inhabit the forests and country of the main. For the life I led was insupportable. Beside much other labor, I had to get out roots from below the water, and from among the cane where it grew in the ground. From this employment I had my fingers so worn that, did a straw but touch them, it would draw blood." many of the canes were broken so that they often tore my flesh and i had to go in the midst of them with only the clothing on me i have mentioned accordingly i put myself to work to get over to the other indians and afterward while i was with them affairs changed for me somewhat more favorably i set myself to trafficking and strove to turn my employment to profit in the ways i could best contrive and by this means i got from the indians food and good treatment They would beg me to go from one part to another for things of which they have need, for in consequence of continual hostilities, they cannot travel the country nor make many exchanges. With my merchandise and trade, I went into the interior as far as I pleased, and I traveled along the coast forty or fifty leagues. The chief of my wares was pieces of sea snails, and their cones, conchs, that are used for cutting, and a fruit like a bean of the highest value among them, which they use as a medicine and employ in their dances and festivities. There are sea beads also, and other articles. Such were what I carried into the interior, and in barter for them I brought back skins, ochre, with which they rub and color their faces, and flint for arrow points, cement and hard canes, of which to make arrows, and tassels that are made of the hair of deer, ornamented and dyed red. This occupation suited me well, for the travel gave me liberty to go where I wished. I was not obliged to work, and was not a slave, wherever i went i received fair treatment and the indians gave me to eat for the sake of my commodities my leading object while journeying in this business was to find out the way by which i should have to go forward and i became well known to the inhabitants they were pleased when they saw me and i had brought for them what they wanted and those that did not know me sought and desired my acquaintance for my reputation the hardships that i underwent in this it were too long to tell as well as of peril and privation as of storms and cold many of them found me in the wilderness and alone but i came forth from them all by the great mercy of god our lord because of them i ceased to pursue the business in winter for it is a season in which the natives themselves retire to their villages and huts sluggish and incapable of exertion these are the most watchful in danger of any people i have ever seen if they fear an enemy they are awake the night long with each a bow by his side and a dozen arrows He that sleeps tries his bow, and if it is not strong, he gives the turn necessary to the cord. They often come out from their houses, bending to the ground in such manner that they cannot be seen, and look and watch on all sides to catch every object. If they perceive anything about, they are all in the bushes with their bows and arrows, and there they remain until day, running from place to place where it is useful to be, or where they think their enemies are. When the light has come, they unbend their bows until they go out to hunt. The strings are of the sinews of deer. The method they have of fighting is lying low to the earth, and whilst they shoot, they move about, speaking and leaping from one point to another, screening themselves from the shafts of their enemies. So effectual is this maneuvering that they can receive very little injury from crossbow or arquebus, but they rather scoff at them, for these arms are of little value employed in open field where the Indians go loosely. They are proper for defiles, and in water, everywhere else the horses will be found the most effective, and are what the natives universally fear. Whosoever would fight against them must be cautious to show no weakness or desire for anything that is theirs. And whilst war exists, they must be treated with the utmost severity, for if they discover any timidity or covetousness, they are a race that will discern the opportunities for vengeance and gather strength from the fear of their adversaries. When they use arrows in battle and exhaust their store, each returns by his own way without the one party following the other, although the one be many and the other few, for such is their custom. Oftentimes their bodies are traversed from side to side by arrows and they do not die of the wounds, but soon become well unless the entrails or the heart be struck. I believe they see and hear better and have keener senses than any people there are in the world. They are great in the endurance of hunger, thirst, and cold, as if they were made for these more than others by habit and nature. Thus, much I have wished to say beyond the gratification of that desire which men have to learn the customs and manners of each other, that those who hereafter at some time find themselves amongst these people may be intelligent in their usages and artifice, the value of which they will not find inconsiderable in such event. After getting away from his first captors, he came among Indians who thought that he and his comrades must have come from heaven because of their superior knowledge. He thus describes them. We left these and traveled through so many sorts of people of such diverse languages that the memory fails to recall them. They ever plundered each other, and those that lost, like those that gained, were fully content. We drew so many followers after us that we had not use for their services. While on our way through these vales, each of the Indians carried a club three palms in length, and kept himself on the alert. On raising a hair which are abundant, they surround it directly, and numerous clubs are thrown at it, and with a precision astonishing to see. In this way, they cause it to run from one to another, so that, according to my thinking, it is the most pleasing sport that can be conceived of, as oftentimes the animal runs into the hand. So many of them did they give us, that at night, when we stopped, each one of us had eight or ten backloads. Those who had bows were not with us but dispersed about the ridge in quest of deer, and when they came at night they brought five or six for each of us, besides birds, the quail, and other game. Indeed, all that they found or killed they put before us, without themselves daring to take anything until we blessed it, though they should be dying of hunger, for they had so established the custom since marching with us. The women carried many mats, of which the men made our houses, each of us having a separate one with all his attendants after these were put up we ordered the deer and hares to be roasted with the rest that had been taken this was soon done by means of certain ovens made for the purpose we took a little of each and the remainder we gave to the principal personages that came with us directing them to divide them among the rest every one brought his portion to us that we should give it our benediction for not until then dared they to eat of it Frequently we were accompanied by three or four thousand persons, and as we had to breathe upon and sanctify the food and drink for each, and give them permission to do the many things they would come to ask, it may be seen how great to us were the trouble and annoyance. The women first brought us the pears, spiders, worms, and whatever else they could gather, for even if they were famishing, they would eat nothing unless we gave it to them. In company with these, we crossed a great river coming from the north, and passing over some plains thirty leagues in extent, we found many persons who came from a great distance to receive us, and they met us on the road over which we had to travel, and received us in the manner of those we had left. We told them to conduct us toward the north, and they answered us as they had done before, saying that, in that direction, there were no people except afar off, that there was nothing to eat, nor could water be found notwithstanding all this we persisted and said that in that course we desired to go and they still tried to excuse themselves in the best manner possible at this we became offended and one night i went out to sleep in the woods apart from them but they directly went to where i was and remained there all night without sleeping and in great fear talking to me and telling me how terrified they were beseeching us to be no longer angry and that they know they should die on the way they would nevertheless lead us in the direction we desired to go whilst we still feigned to be displeased that their fright might not lead them there happened a remarkable circumstance which was that on this same day many of them became ill and the next day eight men died abroad in the country wheresoever this became known there was such dread that it seemed as if the inhabitants at sight of us would die of fear they besought us that we would not remain angered nor require that many of them should die they believed that we caused their death by only willing it When in truth it gave us so much pain that it could not be greater, for beyond the loss of them that died, we feared they might all die or abandon us out of fear, and all other people thenceforward should do the same, seeing what had come to these. We prayed to God our Lord that he would relieve them, and thenceforth all those that were sick began to get better. From that place onward there was another usage, that those who knew of our approach did not come out to receive us on the roads, as the others had done, but we found them in their houses, and others they had made for our reception. They were all seated, with their faces turned to the wall, their heads down, and the hair brought before their eyes, and their property placed in a heap in the middle of their houses. From this place forward they began to give us many blankets of skin, and they had nothing that they did not give to us. They had the finest persons of any that we saw, and of the greatest activity and strength, and were those who best understood us and intelligently answered our inquiries." (laughs)
0: Few stories of shipwrecked and survival can equal that of this 16th century group of European adventurers who, by going native, survived eight years of hand-to-mouth existence among the Amerindians and later put pen to paper and published an account of their trials and tribulations, a fascinating eyewitness account that we can study and enjoy almost five centuries later. Check out the YouTube version of this episode, which has accompanying visuals, including maps, charts, timelines, photos, illustrations, and diagrams. I'm Mark Vinette, and I hope you're enjoying the ride.